accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine right now, we're up to the episode called Once More Unto the Breach. The seventh episode of the seventh season aired on November 11th, 1998, written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by Alan Croker. In this episode, with the Dominion War raging, the old Klingon warrior Kor feels left out of the action, and he looks for some way to get his share of the honor of battle. However, his efforts to play the part are stymied by Martok, who holds a grudge against Kor. We're joined by Clay, who has no such grudge against me. How are you? I'm good. This episode has one of my favorite Star Trek conventions in it, and you know, in all the things that they, you could argue that they foresaw technologically, uh, they still always have single-use iPads or devices like that's somehow more convenient than just a piece of paper. You're talking about so when Core has to sign all the uh, the documents. There's like different different pads for each one. Yeah, it's like it's like every every document gets its own Kindle essentially. Yeah, yep. and uh, it's hilarious as. As though that's somehow easier in the future to have this device that only does uh, one thing. You have to visually um, represent millions of data bytes everywhere, I suppose. Yeah, like, you know, I, honestly, it, it, it kind of uh, – there's a thing I've said uh, probably a number of times, which is analog is always a better storyteller than digital. And this is a good example of why, because if you just handed him a, a single device and said – Oh, there's 14 pages of this thing I need to say. It doesn't really come across. But if you hand him, like, an entire gift basket worth of iPods, then it then it gets across a little better, I guess. <laughs> Let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and then me and Claire are going to come back, and we're going to break down once more Unto the Breach. You've removed Core from active duty. I saw no other choice. Still, you're his friend. It must have been difficult for you. Our friend would not have put him in that position in the first place. I've hated his name for almost 30 years. I've dreamt of the moment when I would finally see him stripped of his rank and title, when he would suddenly find himself without a friend in the world, without the power of his birthright. And I've had that moment now. And I took no joy from it. All right, so as DS9 is wrapping itself up, we're going to get our Klingon episode where we're going to kill off all the Klingons that have been around for a while, or at least the older ones who have been around for a handful of episodes. Uh, because I think Kor was in Blood Oath, and I think he's in the episode where Worf goes and finds the magical Batleth with him. I think that's also Kor. Uh, that would make sense because Dax would be in that one as well. Um but yeah, once more into the breach, we're going to have a Martok episode, we're going to have a Klingon episode, we're going to have Worf uh, doing a not-really-much-of-anything episode, I think. I um, I, do, I feel that this one is... I don't, well, I guess the thing that I like about this one, the, I like the space combat in this episode, for whatever yeah, it reason. Yeah, really cool. it, lo- it looks pretty cool. It looks uh, very Star Wars-y, but it looks very fast-paced and everything, and they, they do different stuff, like they have the shot of the... Um, the birds of prey over DS9 as the camera pans over the top mm-hmm. of the station mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But outside yeah, of that, that nice, I don't know. Like uh, 360 camera. Mo- it's like they just realized what computers can do. Yes. They, I think they and just that, did really, honestly. 
Yeah, it's just a lot more a lot more dynamic than uh, than it usually is. Yeah, yeah. But I, outside of that, I I think this is like a perfectly functional episode that really mm-hmm. doesn't have much else going on to it outside of the fact that it's functional at this point. Um, I find it kind of empty in a lot of ways. I find it to be one of those episodes that like they think it's about something, but I'm not really sure the episode is convinced that it's about anything. Like mm-hmm. I, I think Ronald D. Moore would say that this movie is about like accepting your elders position and like even though you're old you can still do things in society and stuff like that and that's that's fine but it only really just comes across in core's actions and i don't think it really has anything to say about that and i think that it's um it's just kind of like it it feels like it's just a script that's written to to get those points through without it actually settling on anything and that comes down to like martok and uh Worf's problem and Martok's problem with core and everything like that. Like it all feels very trivial in a way. Like it's just there to sort of be a little bit of an impediment to the story and then get out of the way quickly. And as they move on with things, so it it never feels like it really adds up to much. Yeah. It kind of, it felt a little redundant to me. I feel like they've done this story like four times where where a old Klingon shows up and begs Worf to help him die with honor or begs someone to help, you know, I think, I feel like every episode core is in is is about that uh, to some extent. Um, Blood Oath certainly was in the, uh, the the sacred Batleth was as well. Yeah. it's, It's all about old Klingons needing Worf to help them regain their honor. Yeah, why doesn't he just shoot him in the back of the head or something? Yeah. Save us all some time. Or just get, um, you don't do back to the head, just fight him to the death, and then he dies honorably, right? That's how Klingons yeah. like to die, just fighting people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, isn't that isn't that the entire isn't that a whole that's a whole episode, isn't it? Where he was gonna do that, but Cisco's like, you can't murder somebody on Federation property. Or something. <laughs> that was his brother. Yeah, he's uh, with current. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's I think there's some nice stuff in it. I actually like it a lot from the Martok angle cuz I feel like we get a lot of uh uh Martok backstory that we've never really gotten into. Martok is a pretty uh forward moving character for the most part. Um and here you get a little bit of uh his history uh, why he would hate core. I thought that stuff was actually kind of interesting. And even the, the bit at the end where he's, um, uh, he's, he's witnessed, he's witnessed the humiliation and defeat of core and he's not happy about it. Like, I thought that stuff was kind of nice. Um, I liked Worf's speech about Davy Crockett, even if it was a little on the nose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the Martok thing, we, I wish we, we can start with the, the Martok thing because I I like the Martok storyline as well. It's um it's the first time the sh- the series has really reached into this idea that like the Klingons are kind of a class based society, which they mm-hmm. do both by telling you and showing you that character who is the secretary for Martok. Basically, like he, yeah. he he's clearly an underling, and none of them particularly like him or think that he amounts to anything. Uh, and I don't think we've ever seen the Klingon society laid out this way. My only my my problem with it was if I wish they had focused more on that because they bring it up and it's like, oh, Martok really hates this guy. I wonder why. And then they tell you why he hates him. And then they do the very, it's the very stock story where Core uh, embarrasses himself and then Martok sort of makes fun of him about it. Yeah. But the scene after that is Martok's been holding on to this grudge for so long and he's just like, I made fun of him and I didn't feel good about it. Like it's, it's a very, mm. it, it, it just kind of, 
I don't know, it happens too quick or something. It's that thing of it, it just never feels like it's really fully the point of the story. And I wish that they had embraced it a little bit more than they did instead of moving it into dying with honor as old Klingons want to do. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I guess it depends on where the focus of your story is. Cause it's it, for all the good Martok stuff they're doing. It's not really, a, it's not about Martok. So I think that's why those beats feel a little bit rushed. Uh, even though I do think that they work because I do, um, I do find it interesting. The, uh, uh, I, the concept of, of what happens after you get your revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the movie, in movie and television world, the story just ends and, er- and everybody walks away satisfied. But uh, you very rarely ever see someone get their revenge and be kind of like, well, that I was what I was expecting. Yeah. What I yeah. what expected it to be. I don't feel great about that. You know, it, and so having him do that, I thought was interesting, especially from a Klingon standpoint. Um, I think it kind of, I I was really liking the uh, distance that uh, Martok and Worf were taking from the old way of uh, Klingon society because I Core uh, Core is is uh, in, in Martok's story he talks about how Core was you know from a, a famous house very uh, aristocratic or or even. Uh, monarch-like house that gave him benefits that martok didn't get because yeah. he was just a he's the one percenter street urgent or something yep um street urchin not urgent urgent is not a word <laughs> um and uh it having him and wharf on the same page about where society kind of is now and what their job is currently versus core uh, still kind of complaining about the fact that he's he's he should be given more opportunities, even though he's old and part of an outdated system. Yep. Um, I like that. I but yeah, it's I. It was a lot of interesting ideas that weren't really the center of the story. I th- I think those I think those ideas were were more interesting than the actual story that they were telling. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I I also like that idea of um. Because it, it feels a little bit confused. Like, if you want to do the core thing where someone has outlived their usefulness, uh, it it ends on a like I I don't really know what the lesson of the story is there. Like, it's just it's kind of just this weird point that I always find is strange, which is just like old people are still great. Like, it's it's this weird it's this weird point of yeah, like I guess you lived up to the legend. And I guess you're going to create your own like new legend and old people can still do things. But he's, he's, I I guess is the moral, like just don't totally discount people because they can't function in the way that you want them to now. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's Mm. just a weird point. It's like he, he's unable, he's clearly mentally incapacitated in order to do like a stock standard Klingon mission that they want to do, like a modern Klingon thing of bombing and leaving. So He can do the old style TOS, like I'm going to fly in and I'm going to take on all these ships and live a, live a life of legend. However, it's it's just kind of wishy washy to me what that means. So what's that saying? Like it's like, of course you can't always cast people off and everything like that. But at the same time, Martok wasn't wrong. But do you just? Need, I guess you need to find things for old people to do. Like it's it's just kind of a strange. <laughs> it's a strange setup and situation and story. 
that really only works because the Klingons are built around this honor system, and this is honorable to them. Where if it was a human story, is it the same thing? Does it mean the same thing? Is it just as is it equally as good? I, I don't really know. Yeah, i I think it works primarily because it's a Klingon thing. Um, it's just shorthand. It's shorthand for Klingon right. honor, which is not really all that impressive to me. Like I, I, I feel there's a lot more ways that you can dig into this or if you wanted to take a more ds90 approach to it i think that you have to kind of say that mark like if core's way of fighting the war wasn't going to win this war it's more a statement on evolution and change and how change comes about and like i i guess i have trouble seeing core as the hero of the story for any reason yeah yeah Martok's well, it's, right. yeah it's it's tough it's tough because they do that scene where where uh, Core takes over command and then starts having like flashbacks to Nam. Yeah, yeah. And and I was thinking like as they're going into this final thing, it's Worf is like Worf pitches the plan and he's like, "I have the capabilities to do this. I I know that I can pull this off because I am a capable uh, soldier with sound mind." and et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, okay, yeah, but he gets knocked out and then the crazy old guy manages to pull it off without a hitch. Yes. Yep. You know, it's, it, it's like, I get it, but I, I would be, I would be, if I, if I was core and Worf came in and was like, he has done the honorable thing and is flying this himself. If I was, if I was Martok, I would have been like, "Are you crazy? Really? Did you see? We got, we're gonna be killed. We gotta get out of here now. We, you can't trust this guy to do the right thing. He thought he was attacking the Enterprise, right? Yeah, no, th- that's the. Th- there's a schism there between what makes sense and what doesn't, and I, you know, obviously they move it into the stuff of legend because the whole ending is built around the fact that no one can believe that Kor did this for them. Like, well, mm-hmm. how does one starship defeat an entire fleet? So it moves into it moves into legend, but I think if like there are more interesting ways to play with the idea of mythology than just mm-hmm. kind of not showing you what Kor does and have everyone go like, well, it must be a miracle, basically. Like, don't you want to either show like deconstruct the the myth? So that core becomes less than what he actually is, or if you get a glimpse into what it takes to become that kind of a myth, and not mm-hmm. not through just losing your mind, but through like choices that you make that are like different from what everyone else would do, or something, or something that leaves an impact. And I don't feel that this core does anything to leave an impact other than this sort of mystery battle that he wins, and which is good enough for the Klingons, but it's not good enough for a narrative story. I don't think. Yeah. Like at this point, they've done this so many times. I would be a lot more interested in the inverse of this, where it was Core uh, coming to Worf, being like, "I would like to die with honor," and it just not being able to happen. Right. Yeah. So you know, maybe maybe at the beginning he goes out and he proves to be not mentally stable, so they take him off the ship. And then the rest of the episode is Core dying without being able to. Uh, do this last uh, act of heroism that brings sends him to Valhalla or whatever or Stovacor. Uh, I can't. I can't believe I remembered that. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you corrected yourself. It usually, yeah, because it sounds like it sounds like a it sounds like a medication uh, for like a, a skin rash or something. So, yeah, I think it sounds like a instant dinner brand, like a, a Stouffer's <laughs> meal is a Stovacor <laughs> meal. Yeah. 
but uh but yeah like i i would be i'm more interested in this point not seeing another version of oh the the old the old klingon wants to go out in a blaze of glory i'd be more interested in the old klingon wants to go out in a blaze of glory but he can't so he has to deal with what that means right i mean does does core dying alone in a bed does that invalidate any of the other great things he's done and it's i mean the answer is no right but the klingons um, would seem to say yes that which is an interesting sure. ju- which is the which is the which conflict is, in that story yeah which is the interesting story i think especially yeah. when you've got someone like martok and someone like Worf to to kind of debate all sides of it because I, I always have a little bit of the problem of the klingon wants to die with honor if your core, what really is stopping you from just taking a shuttlecraft and flying into Dominion territory, you know, mm. and being like, all right, motherfuckers, like, here I come, like, kill me and I'll die with honor and everything. It, it always, they always make it sound like they're having a hard time finding someone to fight, to kill them. And I don't know why yes, that is. Yeah. So that, that's a very strange uh, position for them to have. They should have an easier time. I would, I would agree I know, with I, you. The, the beginning should be like core showing up at Quark's bar, just trying to pick a fight. Yeah, with bar fights, like sort of like, and other people would see it as dishonorable that he's doing it that way, but he's just looking to at least like fill that void or something. Yeah, like I bet, I bet Morn would throw down if pushed far <laughs> right. enough. <laughs> we see we them. Saw uh, how he was obviously... in that one episode. <laughs> they obviously fight in uh, Discovery because there's a Lurian and Discovery running around fighting people. So, right. Um, nice. nice callback to that. I, I I would agree with you. Like um. Especially because the whole Klingon thing kicked off with uh, Sins of the Father in TNG, right? Where the, the thing is that Worf lies and takes the dishonor in order to protect the Empire from it. So it's like keeping up appearances with them. Right. If you do the same thing about, like, they try to do the same thing, but the appearances are not kept up in terms of core, like, dying without honor. What does that mean for the Klingons? And, like, you know, at this point, in, if you wanted to do some kind of Dominion storyline... Maybe you need to show, maybe you can't do this in one episode, but show the Klingon Empire is being stressed by this war or something. Like there's some mm-hmm. kind of like we can't cling to the old ways and maybe people going out this way is not particularly bad. Maybe there's like a greater good that we're striving for rather than just fighting to the death and build something off of that. But it doesn't really do that. It sticks to this idea that the Klingons just have this very strict sense of what they need to do and all the conflict that ever comes up about it always feels like it's like well why don't the other Klingons just kind of help this guy out if it's so important to them like what 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 is their problem with this kind of stuff and it ends up not feeling important or anything and as you're saying Martok's problem with him it it it's supposed to be a conflict but it doesn't really stop anything in the episode from happening no, because Worf no. just sidesteps him a little bit and then they continue on the path and he's like all right Worf he's your problem now so that's not narratively stymieing enough to mean anything. Yeah, and I actually got a little confused at the beginning because uh, after Worf asked Martok initially about giving him a command or or whatever, and Martok said no, and then uh, he said, then um, Worf says, "I got him commissioned as a third officer." Yeah, and and then On after the same that, ship. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, he goes to uh, uh, to Core, and he tells him, uh, "You need to show up to the uh, Martok. Doesn't want anything to do with you. You need to show up to the ship, the Chitara or whatever it's called, yep. um, tomorrow." And so I was like, "Oh, I assumed he was just going to be on a different ship." Yeah, than Martok. putting putting him somewhere else. It, it makes very little sense that he's on Martok's ship. 
when he showed up, when he showed up to Martok's ship, I thought he was because he because the, the the previous scene they make it a point to have him have to ask what the name of the ship is again. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, foreshadowing his mental instability. So I thought him showing up at that ship was he went to the wrong ship. <laughs> and I thought I thought it was going to be like they just went with it because everybody was happy to see him or something. But no, it, it was just weird that Worf goes to Martok. Martok's like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. And Worf's like, well, I'm sorry. He, I, he's going to be on this ship. It's, well, Worf's, yeah, Worf's problem is that Martok's like, I don't want anything to do with him. When Worf's like, how about I put him right below me so that you have to yes. talk to him every single day and you have to sit with him. It, it's, a, it's a poor decision on Worf because... I, I was also under the impression he just put him on another ship because, and they they do that eventually where he dies on another ship, but they have to move him over to that ship. So right, they only keep him on the main ship because he has to interact with Martok and everything. Yeah, because it would kind of it would kind of make a little more sense. Isn't the right word, but would it not work a little better if he if he was already on the ship that lost the first two in command. And then Worf is like, I'm going to come over and take the ship over. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it myself. Yes. You know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but then you've got, you know, all your interaction is happening via, you know, uh, view screen or whatever. Well, then super satisfying. Yeah. But, uh, or you, you can do something like nemesis, like Worf is over there and core beams him back to the other ship before he goes off. Something like that. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's a little, I think you, I think it's a little too much moving around. Too much moving point, around. But. I I guess I don't really understand why it has to be Worf's idea that he steals. I guess it's because you need that scene where the servant guy sort of talks him up again into like doing what he needs to do and that they, they mm-hmm. need the idea to exist already. But yeah, it's um I guess the criticism would be that it feels like a very writerly episode. I just I see the parts moving every which yeah. which way to sort of yeah. make a conflict out of something and then kind of well, ride the whole the thing. The whole thing feels like that, not just from like a plotting standpoint, but just it feels like it feels like a lot of good speeches and like a lot of good writing that doesn't ultimately hang together as as well as it should. Um, Like the Davy Crockett thing is fun, but that feels just like, you know, on the nose, the writer's going to write kind of thing. The backstory with Martok is nice backstory for Martok, but that's sort of, you know, doesn't really amount to too much and that's not even to say the rest of the episode where you get like borderline um sitcom stuff mm. with uh with quark walking in on the conversation at the wrong time to think that uh dax is going to try and strike up a relationship that whole thing what was an really awful strange. b-plot what an awful oh, b-plot terrible that is. Yeah. yeah i mean it doesn't even go anywhere no it doesn't I mean, it, it's just that there's the the quark loves Dax thing still I don't get and I don't know why they keep doing that because it was really weird here, um, and then the whole thing wraps up with just her kissing him on the cheek. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just what was the point? Like in the fuck in the fuck machine, enjoying all of it from the uh, the. Oh yeah, he was he was. Uh, <laughs> He was ready. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he had a certain lounge to his uh, seating arrangement there. That was yeah. very, very, very yeah. pleasant. He was sitting like he was the only person on the subway car. <laughs> Man spreading or whatever they call it at this day and age. I, um, my problem with that is that how many times do we have to go back to the well of like 
this Dax is repeating a character story from the previous Dax. Like, right. I, I thought we had spent four episodes already dealing with this for the most part. Like it feels just really redundant and not important to have this character do anything else other than continually interact in situations where she's like, I'm not the old Dax. I'm a new Dax. And everyone goes, right. Oh, oh, but the, the quirk thing really struck me as weird because as you're saying, the pacing is so strange where quirk walks in and mishears what's going on. Right. And you're like, Oh, they're mm-hmm. probably going to get like a, uh, a comedy of errors out of this B plot where like there's multiple scenes where quirk is confused about what he's talking about. And Dax has no idea what he's talking about, but yeah. the very next scene, he confronts her about it. And that's the end of the story. It's well, like, after he, he tells Odo about it first. Odo, and, Odo's, yeah. and Odo's like, I don't care. Why, why does this matter? <laughs> right. And then he reveals yeah, it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, he goes to Odo. He, he tells Odo what's, what he thinks he heard. Odo, I don't think, gives him any advice. No. And then he no. just tells Dax, and Dax is like, oh, that's really sweet. But not Bye. the case. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just, it wasn't even, like, thematically similar. No, it's not. You know, like, if it had been thematically similar, I could give it a little bit of a leeway. But it was just, like... We need to do something on Deep Space Nine. Dax is new. Let's use her. It, it sh- I think it's another check mark in the column of they should have had her leave after the first two episodes. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the longer that they stick with her as a not unique character, and like if they're not going to build up the Ezri character, there was no real reason to keep Dax around at that point. Right. I, I like the Davy Crockett thing. However, um, this is a super subjective criticism, but sometimes when you see the opening scene, you know, you like, you you see it, and you're like, "How is this thematically going to tie into what the story is about?" And mm-hmm. I I think the best examples of writing don't do that. They make it more of like a, it's not as like sledgehammery as Worf, Dak, uh, Worf Bashir and O'Brien are talking about Davy Crockett. Like that's you're like, yeah. why are they talking about this? That was like a borderline, you know, faux Tarantino conversation. Yes, yeah, where, but, you know. <laughs> basically. But I think Tarantino would even tie it in a little bit more, like. It's tied in thematically. It makes sense because what they're talking about is Davy Crockett was just a man. It doesn't matter how he died or if he's a hero. It does matter how he's how he dies. Right. But when it's so obvious that you're setting up something with that story, it I find it distracting, and I don't think that's particularly good writing. If you you so, do it a little bit more subtle, it's fine. Thinking back about it, does it even really thematically tie in? Because the thing he's saying is, you know, what you just said that. If Davy, if you believe the legend of Davy Crockett, then he died a hero at the Alamo. And then if, but if you don't believe that, then it doesn't matter how he died. Wouldn't that imply that there should be some? I mean, is there supposed to be some uh, ambiguity about about how Core dies? Because there's not. No, there's like, not. Should, no. Shouldn't shouldn't that conversation then thematically tie into what I was saying, where he doesn't die a hero? But it's a matter of it's a matter of uh, uh, point of view about his legacy, right? If the if it's a sins of the father sort of redux where Kor does not die a hero, but Worf continues the myth of him. I think the problem is they've done that so many times that it's like you 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 get it at this point. But I agree that in order to make the Davy Crockett story mix, you can't have Kor just be a success the way that he is. Yeah. So I, I don't yeah, know because weird. you have to you have to either. You have to either build up the myth or tear down the man, I think. And I don't think that the episode particularly does either of those. And so you're stuck with this, like, yeah, I guess it's a myth. I guess Korra succeeded. Yeah. Or, I mean, I would like to see them tear down the myth, too. Pick pick a character. I mean, I guess at this point, it's 
they're all dead, but, uh, you know, and it's tough to do this with a character who is, is a brand new character, but maybe you could, um, take a character who is already like a living legend of Klingon society and, uh, show him for what he really is. And it's like, Oh, he's just a, he's, he's just a guy who isn't this uh, massive mythical figure that everyone thinks, you know what I mean? That right. kind of thing. Instead of, instead of going to the Alzheimer's route, like make it more of just a, cause I mean, they, they've kind of, I, I guess the series is just at a point where it's repeating itself. Cause remember the opening three episode arc of the second season where they had the guy, Lee Nollis, who was the Bajoran terrorist that they rescue that was seen as this great hero to Bajor, sure. but they get him and he's like, yeah, I'm not really a hero. Like, Oh yeah. I guess that's, yeah, that's the same thing. It's yeah, the same that's... story. I think they're just in this, they're at this point of the series where you can't repeat those stories too much. And I think yeah. this one does just repeat it. Yeah. I think it's tough. Cause there's, there's only, you've got the Klingons who are very, have a very, uh, honor based thing and, and all are, and are very, uh, uh, honor and death kind of. Um, and then you've got the Bajorans who have all of this terrorist stuff and there's, there's uh, looking at both sides of that. I, there's, I think there's just, there's only so many ambiguity of war heroes mm. stories you can tell before you start just going in a circle. Yeah, or wondering who's who can possibly is anyone a hero in this war? Is like is anyone doing yeah, anything it's heroic? Like how many yeah. times are you going to have someone come onto the ship and then they don't turn out to be what everyone thinks they are? You right. know, it's it's it, they do it all the time. <laughs> they, they should just have a uh, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger '80s action hero character come on who's just like fully engaged in uh, killing and becoming the hero at this point in the story. Um. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. There's not really much else I have to say about this one, I don't think. I guess we can just go to final thoughts. So I'm going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. And Clay will come back. We'll read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Once More Unto the Breach. Men of our generation never stood on ceremony, huh? (laughs) We ate when we were hungry. We fought when we were angered. Oh, I miss the simplicity of those days. I miss a great deal about those days. The warriors on this ship, they don't know what they've missed. But such is the way with children. Mm-hmm. They often let the promise of the future obscure the glories of the past. Is there a point to this nostalgic indulgence? Only that they are children. Even Martok, who for all his flaws is a great man... Even Martok is but a child compared to you or me. They are quick to judge and slow to forgive. They still have much to learn. If you enjoyed the content today and you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you go there a couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. We've been doing Black Mirror podcasts. There are extra movie review podcasts. There are all kinds of things. You can also become a captain tier and you get a shout out at this point. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, David Beardmore, David Kay, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Icy Unicorns, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elwood, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, John Spinobi, Tark Latif, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And if you guys are unaware, I guess I should mention it, the, um, you get early access if you're a captain supporter at this point. So if you're interested in early access to the podcast, you become a captain supporter on Patreon, go to the Discord, and there's the special ready room, and all the posts go up there a day or two early. 
if you're interested in early access, that's the way to go about it. All right, Clay. So mm. let's read some patron thoughts here. If you're a patron, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes, and we read them on the podcast and react to them. Norman Buckwald says, once more, unto the breach. It's Mark Tuck that makes this episode enjoyable and how he reacts to Kor, not Kor himself, which, interestingly enough, his sacrifice turns into one of those exaggerated Klingon legends. Still, at the same time, it seemed in many ways a retread of a much stronger Soldiers of the Empire. This is an example where the writers wanted to give certain characters a send-off and this time decided to say goodbye to the remaining uh, Klingon of Kirk's generation while talking about old age and dementia, which seemed weaker compared to Sarek in Next Generation. It was Martok's issue of class and status that is much, much more interesting. In fact, I wish Martok's background was brought up more in the series, and yeah, it will come up a little bit more closer to the end, but it's not a very memorable episode otherwise. Two and a half out of five. And it's it- not even like overblowing the... Uh, <laughs> overblowing. Um, you the, blow hard. Oh, Tobias, yeah. you blow hard. He, it's not even core blueing himself, you know? <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's not... It's not uh overdoing the legend of core because he he goes out taking out like a shitload of gem hadar ships by himself yes so it's not it's not even like they are remembering him as a legend that maybe he wasn't he legitimately is right exactly yeah he's his um i guess that's a point whether like if you if Worf's conflict is to sort of have core killed before he can damage the brand Basically, you know, like if he mm-hmm. if if he can set him up to die so that he remains the initial hero that is the character when he first comes on the Klingon ship and everyone's like, oh, my God, Kor, have you seen Kor's on board? Like that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, he he lives up to the legend, I guess. It's, it's a happy ending that I, I don't know if it's appropriate. I, I understand it and I understand why they did it because they wanted to do the legend metaphor, but I... I don't know. I would have done it some somewhere else. I think there's a more cynical take on that whole thing. I, you, you know what I think the more cynical take is? Um, Worf sets him up to be to appear to be this hero when in actuality he doesn't actually do anything. So essentially, like he Worf is like, we need six volunteers to fly this uh, um, bird of prey to hold these guys off. And he talks about it like uh, it's a it's a job that only only someone of of the most uh, uh, highest caliber the highest, Klingon, yeah, yeah, highest caliber warrior can pull this off. And everyone's like, "Oh, that's oh yeah, who's going to do it?" And then uh, Worf sa- uh, says that Core will do it or some shit like that. And then Martok is like, "Are you crazy?" And Worf is like, "Dude." he doesn't have to do anything the other guys are going to do everything just just let him let him have this yeah. his console you know, so, doesn't even work i've turned off his console yeah exactly yeah uh they turned his microphone off um the old yoko ono special uh they have you ever seen that it's amazing sorry it's just a, a tangent there's a uh, clip is it, of is it that youtube clip where it's um yoko ono playing with chuck berry Yes. Yeah. John Lennon was, uh, I think, guest hosting like the Dick Cavett show or something for a week. And he brought on all of his favorite musicians to play with and stuff. And so he brought on Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry, obviously a huge hero of John Lennon. They do one song. Uh, Yoko Ono is also up there doing her thing where she's just yowling into a microphone. Yeah. And then uh, they, you know, they go and they talk, and then they come back and they play another song, and someone mysteriously has cut off her <laughs> microphone. So you can see John Lennon. I seriously hope it was John Lennon that's that told them and was like, "Listen, just let me have this." Um, 
<laughs> you can see him playing Johnny B. Good or whatever with Chuck Berry, and then in the background, Yoko Ono is like constantly tap, like tapping her microphone trying yeah. to get it to work. <laughs> um, and fortunately, uh, that iconic moment of rock and roll was not ruined by uh, performance art. Anyway. Um, well, the, uh, my favorite thing about that is just uh, it, it's like they're playing the song. And then Yoko Ono just comes up and starts like shrieking. And so it's like yes. nonsense gibberish. And but there's this Chuck the look on Chuck Berry's face is just like, what the fuck? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's I wouldn't be funny. surprised if he did it. If he if he told someone he's like, so just shut her microphone off. <laughs> um But yeah, but that kind of thing where it's like it's you're essentially you're setting him up to be this hero, but he's not actually doing anything. Right. He's just uh, he's dying, dying, dying to the legend. Yeah. 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 And like not even he realizes that it's fake, you know. Right. Because he doesn't know what's going on. He just knows that he's on a ship again or, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's a more cynical take that could could have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's. I, I guess the problem with this is that I feel that they've done all of those stories before, so it, it's tough. Like I, yeah, it, because the, that that feels like it's so fundamental to a lot of Klingon stories is just whether or not you maintain the facade of something and whether that's important. And I I think it fits in here. I I don't know if there's anywhere else that they can really take it unless you take the other thing, which is everyone realizes that it's not that important, but that feels like a huge fundamental shift in Klingon society for that to happen. So yeah, who knows? I mean, at least they didn't go like everybody's in on it. And so core is there and he like says fire and everyone's like, yay, (laughs) good job. You know, (laughs) Dwayne Hackett says, this is the second episode I could not wait for you to review. This episode is one of my top five favorite of DS9 and a contender wow. for my top ten favorite Star Trek stories of all time. Okay. Kor, well, he's got a paragraph here. Kor, the Dahar Master, the man of yesteryear, the legend of another era, is put up against modern Klingons. His feud with Martok was well-written. His deterioration is believable and his sacrifice is gut-wrenching. His last words to Worf echo well after the show ends. To me, in this episode, Core is the literary, a literary embodiment of DS9. Respected by title, mocked and shamed for missteps, and honored when gone. I'm not ashamed to admit that this episode brings a tear to my eye in most rewatches. It's the first true signifier that DS9 is coming to an end. It's a story to, uh, to be only a memory in those it leaves behind. It's the beginning of the torch past to Voyager, and I think... And I, for one, think it was beautifully done, even if Voyager fumbled the past some. Again, the writer's cast and crew were firing on all cylinders, and even though it wasn't his final work, uh, Kolokos gives this episode his all, a nice send-off to a character as well as an actor. Five out of five. This was that actor's last uh, appearance in anything before he passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Um, I guess he was done doing Apocalypse then. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's um, you know... I like the scene where Kor says that he will see Jedzia and tell her what Worf yeah, thinks. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like that. that yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, I yeah. do like that scene. I, you know, I, th- I, I don't... I don't know if I would... I mean, your top five is going to be your top five. But I think this is an instance of kind of what we were saying, where the stuff in it is good. Like, the stuff that's happening is fine, and, and it's well acted, and it's got some good monologues, and it's got some good scenes, but doesn't totally jive together as a piece. Um, but I think there's enough there with a little bit of uh, uh, metatextual projection that could could elevate it for some people like this. Yes, right. If you If you do see it as the beginning of the end for DS9, 
or something like that. I, I think that that is there and it's certainly like an episode that will equal to it, it does feel like it's closing things off in a lot of ways, not just because they're getting rid of a character, but it, it feels like it's a kind of episode that would be approaching the end of something. But yeah, I don't um I don't think the bones itself are strong enough to really put it up there for me. But it's an interesting opinion anyway. Not that it's a bad episode, neither. Zim Nuclear Wessel says, Worf's Davy Crockett line is one of the best sneaky thematic setups in all the track. Oh, there's a disagreement we'll have, too. Either Kor mm-hmm. was a great hero or he was a fool who was lucky that his honorable acts were remembered more than his dishonorable ones with Martok or the sword. There's evidence for both. Take your choice. Will Yates says, This is a tough episode for me to pin down. I can't tell if it's an allegory for the idea of youth being wasted on the young or if it's about how we treat our veterans. Then again, it could simply be about how legend and reality can both be respected, even if they don't line up. Whatever it was, I think it's a good ending for Core and growth for Martok. Samuel S. says, really bad. I don't understand why this conflict exists. Core is clearly unable to function in the conflict, and the way he is treated may not be with kindness, but he's a Klingon who is not helpful in combat, which makes him totally useless to Martok, and makes the conflict between Core and Martok too one-sided, as Core really has no good reasons as to why Martok should keep him around. To top it off, Kor's last stand is just absurd. One out of five. Oof. Matthew Ross says, A good episode of the statement, Old soldiers never die but simply fade away. Clearly, age and drink is caught up with Kor, again ably played by John Kolokos. The noble Henry V aspirations of the story are cliché, but the clichés are such that they're comfortable and popular at time. Kor's line of how we all get old always seems to make you realize one's own limitations. Apparently, Klingons aren't as bloodthirsty as we're led to believe. Beaming off survivors off an injured ship, for starters. Retreating? <gasps> how would Worf's inner hipster Klingon stand it? A good end to the storied career of a legendary warrior. The Esri stuff, not so much. The episode could have done more without it and spent more money on the clearly, and spend the money on the clearly CGI Cardassian base. Let's see what? here. Uh, take the, the, the Esri scenes, I think, and spend money on the space battle, is what he wants to say. Oh, I thought... I thought you said Cardassian face. Oh, it's just base. <laughs> Cardassian base, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was like, who had CGI face makeup in this? Kyle Barrett, last comment. Once more onto the breach. Eh, never cared much for this episode. I think it'd be better if Kor's Klingon Alzheimer's was revealed earlier in the episode in the core of his conflict with Martok rather than that weird personal grudge. The episode begins some thematic stuff but never fully develops it and the ending falls flat for me. The performances make it watchable enough, and I think that I can see what Ron Moore was trying to do, but the episode has some decent ideas. In the end, it doesn't amount to much. All right. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Unto the Breach. A widespread of opinions there. We have a five a five out of five, a three out of five, and a one out of five. All of them, I think I can agree with some portion of what you're talking about. Interesting episode, though, um, at least in sort of uh, where I think it went wrong, if not in and of itself. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Um, I'm going to give it a three because I think it's, you know, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's watchable. I think it's got some good stuff in it. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily, I think the Esri stuff is not good, but, uh, I think the other stuff is fun enough that it's, uh, it's worth a watch if you're, if you're making your way through the show. Yeah. Um, I, I would it be a uh, if you were to curate DS9 would it be on that list for you would you include it on on a list of like if you're trying to get through the meat of the story it's probably not for me I think it's an I think yeah. it's an obviously no for me but yeah I'm I'm I was trying to think if in terms of a uh, person who really loved it uh if 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 that sort of uh reaction 
was was weighted enough for me to put it on one of those lists and i don't i don't think that it is i think it's a i think it's a nice kind of addendum episode uh but if you're going like this is the this is the shit uh this is the you know the 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 good stuff it's not one that i would put on that list you know is it is it was it the wrong choice to make this about core is should this be about more of a central klingon character like if this was martok's last stand yeah it it's oh Martok's last stand. You're saying like if if Martok um, took the core role right where this sure. feels like it's certainly the end. Like th- that's the loss of a character who I I like Martok more than Core. Like I think he's more of a central character to this. But if they if it was a farewell to Martok episode, I think just because it's Martok, I think I would like it more than that. Sure, I think I think you need to reshape it quite a bit. You for would, it to yeah, work. you would, yeah. Um, but I uh. I would be a lot happier if Martok was the center of this story and not core mm-hmm. um, for reasons we already talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you could, especially because, cause Martok is like kind of straddling the line between old Klingon culture and new Klingon culture. Yeah. Uh, well, though I think this, this episode saying that he's more radical than that. He He's apparently a, uh, unusual Klingon in where he came from and what he's managed to do over the course of his career. Yeah, but he's still working inside of the same sort of system that we're used to as far as Klingons go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it would be kind of interesting to to have him in the middle between Poor and and Worf, sort of, uh, and and see how he deals with um, this sort of the the end of this old era and. Uh, whether or not it deserves his respect and all that kind of stuff. I think that would be kind of more interesting if it was more focused on him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also going to give it a three. I don't think it's bad. Uh, it's not some, it's not one that I would say you have to watch or anything like that, but I, I don't think it's bad. I just wish it had more to it. Kind of. I just think it's, it's another one of those episodes that just misses the mark really about what I think is kind of important for the episode to say at this point in the series and things like that. And, Thinking about it now, if it was Martok's last stand, I think it would be much more impactful. You would have to re-switch the episode around. But I think, since we didn't touch on it during the po- like the main part of the podcast, I think just Core is not that important of a Klingon to me for this to matter much yeah. at that point. And I think if you're going to have a a Klingon story about building a legend... I, I think it would be more interesting to see the legend be built, which is because Martok is not necessarily legendary at this point. But if you if you had an episode where that became his his final sort of like uh, statue or that like that's his final status by the end, I think that works for the character as a growth opportunity. And it's someone that we're familiar with. So we like him more and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening to us. Talk about once more onto the breach. We're going to be moving on. Uh, to the next episode, which is, do I remember what the next episode is? Siege of AR558. That's right. So we'll be back with Siege. In the meantime, you can check out patreon.com slash the if you want to support the show. All the Facebook and Twitter and Discord links are down below. Instagram is also there. You can join the Discord if you want to talk to us. And uh, Captain Perks are also on the Discord. That's where it's found. I don't think there's anything else. No, I don't think so. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we call it a day? No, I don't think so. I think it's a about it we are done ds9 continues on we're up to episode eight with the next one so we're we're moving on quite nicely into uh the middle of the season here 
Thoughts so far in season seven, Clay? Do you have any light thoughts to go out with here? We've seen a bunch of episodes. Um, surprisingly aimless so yeah, far. Yeah, I, w- I think I would agree. Surprisingly, um, surprise and surprisingly, like they don't realize it's the final season. They do realize that, but yeah. it doesn't feel like the episodes are really sort of latching on to that fact quite yet. There's still a lot to go, but. You know, core is kind of the perfect example. It's like core, I guess. Okay, we'll have we'll have a core episode. We'll see him and say goodbye. But I feel there's so many other background characters, uh, Garrick and Ducats and things that that people will get to. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of things that you can say goodbye to starting around this time, and they're just not really saying goodbye to the people that I care about yet. I I do appreciate that it's not they're not going the. Uh abandoned ship route with this season where it's like they know it's season seven so uh avery brooks is out doing other shit so he's never on the show anymore and it's like it's turned into the quark and odo show Mm -hmm. because everybody else just decides not to show like the last season of miami vice yeah the nog and jake uh, show every every other episode is about nog and don johnson just stopped showing up so it turned into essentially the uh tech and and tub show which uh you know doesn't have the same so ring. Far. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're not giving up. I, I, I think the weakness so far are the scripts to all the episodes that they've done yeah. so far. No, know? everybody's, I think the performances have been, have been great. Um, uh, which is, in, it's, it's always interesting to me when you've got, um, great performances of not great stuff and to see whether or not that is, uh, leveling up the material or if it's if you can still identify that yeah this isn't really that good but they're they're really they're they're making me believe that they believe it so. right yeah yeah they're doing their job yeah. um yeah I think that's it I, I would agree um not a particularly strong start to a season uh but we'll we'll see how things change as we move into it but anyway we'll be back with the siege will be the next episode thank you guys for listening very much and we will see you next time. 